0: You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: So I say D, I say D-O,
2: D-O-D, D-O-D-G. Dodgers team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Lockdown Dodgers. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Lockdown, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us every week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. This is a daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ream Fiends, Uh, solo as of now, but will not be solo during the episode. We had a live locker room chat last night. We got into a few topics, Padres, the Dodgers' new vaccinated area, and a few other things. Took on some questions from some listeners, Uh, so let's get right into it.
3: There's nothing to hop into right away. Let's talk about the Padres. They lost on Wednesday. They had a three-game sweep. They got swept by the Brewers. Their offense isn't clicking. I think their defense has been bad, and their pitching... Uh, Denelson Lamette, who made his return, his 21-21 debut, uh, came out after a couple innings with forearm tightness. uh, Because of what he had before when he got PRP injections and now forearm tightness, it appears that the worst may have come for him. Hopefully not, uh, but this isn't a good sign for them and their rotation.
1: Yeah, it seems almost unthinkable that he's not headed for Tommy John. And, uh, you know, we we dunk on the Padres training staff a lot, uh, you know, and, and some of it with good reason. I've spent a lot of this afternoon thinking about Lamette and what they could or should have done differently. And I think I've decided that there's, you know, I I don't think it was necessarily a bad decision for them to do what they did. Um, The kind of the analogy I've come to is kind of like in basketball, when a guy gets into foul trouble, and your options are either sit him now, which in a way, you're locking in the punishment, you take him out of the game, well, that the punishment for fouling out is leaving the game. So you're locking in the punishment, but you have a little bit more control over the timing of it. And so you you sit a guy who's in foul trouble hoping that he will be available at the end of the game when, it, when it's really important. And uh, the alternative is to just let him keep playing and hope that he doesn't foul out. And then, you know, you have a chance to get more minutes out of him that way. But, you know, but you're running the risk of him fouling out and not being available at the end was important. And so I think what the Padres did with Lamette is kind of the equivalent of just not taking out the guy who was in foul trouble. You know, because if, if you say, okay, last September, okay, Denelson, you're having Tommy John surgery. Well, then you've guaranteed Tommy John surgery. And if there is a chance that the rehab might work, you know, yeah, it, if he had had Tommy John surgery last year, he would have been ready for the start of 2022. But if the rehab had worked, he would have pitched in 21-21 and twenty twenty two. So it's like it's one of those things that it's easy in hindsight to say he should have just had should have just had Tommy John six months ago or whatever. Uh, but I don't think it was necessarily an indefensible decision to try to rehab it and try to fight through it.
3: Yeah, it was very catch twenty uh, two. You know, PRP injections hardly ever work. It, it's very rare that they work, but they were like I said, they were kind of in a position where. You know, 2021 was the year in, in question and imbalance, And now it appears, you know, hopefully he somehow he, he doesn't have it. But, uh, yeah, it appears 2021 is now lost, which was going to be the case either way.
1: Yeah. And I feel bad for him. He's going to be uh, basically if he has Tommy John surgery, you know, tomorrow, he's coming back right around his 30th birthday. And 30 isn't young for a pitcher, even for a pitcher who hasn't thrown many innings like him. I mean. Uh, you are really at the tail end of your career when you're 30. And so there's a chance, I said this on Twitter, Lamette might end up being one of those great what might have been cases because he's, he's got such good stuff. He's a very good pitcher, and he's just never really been able to do it. Brian, you're on the air.
0: Hey, guys. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about the umpiring. Um, it seems to be – I know we kind of complain about this all the time and – but it seems to be so far this year, the umpiring has been completely horrendous. I don't know if it's cost them a game, but at this rate, if it continues, it might at some point, but it seems that there's 15 to 20 horrible calls by the umpires every game so far. Is it just that recency bias that we're that I'm seeing this now, or is this something you guys are seeing as well? Yeah, this is right up your alley, and you have a perfect tweet for it.
1: Yeah, so... uh so I, I did the math today. I looked and the league average umpire gets 94% of of taken pitches correct. You know, pitches that the batter doesn't swing at, the average umpire gets 94% of them correct. The Dodgers so far are at 91.36% this year and have only had one or two games, depending on how you look at it, uh, one slightly over 94% and one that rounds up to 94%, 93.85%. Everything else has been below average. Uh, Total of 248 missed calls out of 2,872 total calls. Uh, 248 calls in 18 games is, yeah, you know, like you said, Brian, it's uh, pushing 15 calls per game. And for me, the big thing is I... I hate blaming the umpire. And so that's why I'm a little bit more outspoken. I think I said this the other day on the show. That's why I'm more outspoken right now because the Dodgers are winning anyway. The Dodgers are 14 and four. But for me, I just want, when I turn on a baseball game, I want to see, hey, who's going to win the pitchers or the hitters? And I want that decision to be made by how does, how well does the pitcher execute his pitches? How well does the hitter hit those pitches? I don't want it to be decided on how well does the catcher frame or how well does the old man with an obstructed view see pitches? Like for me, that's not the interesting part of baseball. For me, the interest, interesting part is pitcher against hitter, hitter against pitcher. And, and part of it, I think, you know, well, two other things, thoughts that I've had that I haven't shared already on the podcast, so they'll actually sound original or fresh one, a Dodgers team that the Dodgers are like famously patient and good at managing the strike zone. And so, uh, umpires being bad at their jobs, specifically calling pitches out of the strike zone strikes takes away from the Dodgers more than it takes away from a free swinging team. Uh, and, and I even noticed when I was looking at the numbers, like the best game that the Dodgers have had was the April 5th game against the A's. Brian Gorman got 94.09% of them right. There were 203 total pitches to call from, whereas others have been as low as 124. So it almost seems like there's a correlation where uh, Dodger games have more pitches if the umpire is doing better at calling them correctly, because then the Dodgers do feel comfortable. Okay, I can take this pitch and it's going to be called a ball. And we have seen, like, like, I think Brian's right, it hasn't necessarily cost the Dodgers a game, uh, but we have seen plenty of guys, Chris Taylor several times, Justin Turner a few times, get Will Smith a couple times getting rung up on pitches outside the strike zone. And it's like, you know, when you're Will Smith, it's like, dude, I've been in the league, this is my third season, everybody knows, I know the strike zone. So if you're calling a strike when I'm not swinging, you're doing it wrong. And uh, And the other thought that I had, about this is just with the Dodgers being the best team in the league talent-wise. I think that's why it bothers us as Dodger fans more because we want the best team to win and the best way for the the best chance that the best team has to win is for everything else to be equal, meaning umpires are good at their jobs. Because if the umpires are doing their jobs, the Dodgers have an advantage by virtue of the fact that they're better. Uh the umpires being bad introduces more randomness into the system. And randomness is bad news when you're the better team. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody except in in, in my brain.
3: So that it makes a lot of sense on that end.
1: Yeah, and and yeah. I, as far as you know, uh, Armando asked, "Does the umpires union make it difficult for the league to crack down on bad umps?" Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, th- this isn't going to be an anti-union stance, uh, but just kind of the the general purpose of unions is to protect their members and. Sometimes that's protecting them from, uh, things that it's really good to protect them from, uh, from, and sometimes it's protecting them from, uh, being punished for being bad at their jobs. The union, almost by definition, any union can't really draw that distinction. They can't pick and choose. Oh, we're only going to defend the ones who are good at their jobs because the point of the union is to defend all their members. So, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, a lot of good comes from unions for sure. And this is one of the downsides is that crappy umpires get protected too. Just like uh, the union has to protect, uh, had to protect the Astros when they cheated. Uh, You know, the union has to protect its members, even when the members don't deserve to be protected.
2: This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download on iOS, and once you're in, you can talk with me, you can talk with Jeff, you can talk with other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms every week depending on the day and Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every single day. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league, about the sport, about the team, whatever you want to do. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, postgame breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You have a chance to chat with Jeff and I every week. Uh, we will let you know every week which day we will be talking and make sure to, to come in and ask questions and, and be part of the conversation. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices make sure to create a profile link your twitter and join any of the groups for the latest league updates follow me at vincent's 91 or follow jeff at snydog to find out when our rooms go live I know you won't want to miss it With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you will need in a traditional chain storefront. That's what rockauto.com is for. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket and why wouldn't you use it? Chain stores also have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and those prices are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com, check out their extensive catalog, and shop for auto and auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And if you go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car truck, they may ask, how did you hear about us? Let them know Lockdown sent you, and that's all you got to do. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This year, the Lockdown On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Lockdown On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Lockdown On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st.
3: All right, if, uh, let's hop into one question from somebody off at can I finish pod underscore. Yes, what do the Dodgers do with Matt Beatty and Edwin Rios? Trade, question mark, call up other prospects like DJ Peters or Bird Reeves. Assuming he's asking, well, Beatty's already been sent down, but assuming he's asking because Rios has not been hitting and the Dodgers could maybe benefit from a guy who can hit from the right side. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, any, any thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I, you know, trading Beatty or Rios right now would be selling low on them, and they both have potential value even in, in trades. If the Dodgers were interested in trading in them, it would make more sense to, even if, you know, Beatty is at the alternate site, if there's, I think there's going to be more transparency into the alternate site now because they're in Arizona, they're playing against other teams, and and I think there's actually some media there watching. And so uh, Beatty, if he can start hitting the ball at the alternate site, you know, maybe that ups his trade value. Same thing might be the case for Rios. If he doesn't start hitting, you know, maybe it is time for, for uh, DJ Peters or, you know, somebody like that to, to get some time, Uh, you know, so, but either one of them, Beatty or Rios, I think in order to trade them, you would have to bump up their, their trade value somehow by getting them good at bats. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen at the, at the major league level right now. So, yeah, and DJ Peters or Cabret Ruiz, like Sergio asked, would, uh, wouldn't be a bad idea.
3: Yeah, I mean, Ruiz is a is good uh, ball-to-contact hitter, you know, ball-to-bat skills. DJ Peters is not as great in that end, but I was kind of surprised when Bellinger's announcement of injury was a little bit longer, that they didn't call up Peters just for the simple fact that he can play center field and – you know, the know, Dod- Mookie Betts and, and Chris Taylor have been fine out there, but now Mookie Betts you know, could potentially be out a couple of days. And Chris Taylor, you know, ha- may have to play a second base because so Gavin Lux is out. But there's a lot of moving pieces right now. And, you know, no no disrespect to Luke Grayley, but uh, d- defensively, he's scary, as, as Jeff uh, alluded to in, in one of the episodes this week. And DJ Peter just gives you much more flexibility than I feel he can play any of the spots and, and play him well. And you know, realistically, he can probably come up and pop a few home runs and, and, you know, get to guys before they get to him in terms of uh, pitchers figuring
0: them out. Justin, you have a question? Yeah, a a comment and then a question. Yeah, It's interesting to think how, I mean, we never would have thought last year that McKinstry would leapfrog Rios and and Beatty, but uh, as far as maybe, you know, current value to the team or, Having their spot on the roster be safer, but here we are, and and uh, it's awesome how well McKinstry's been doing. You just feel so confident when he comes up to the plate. Question is, do you guys think we're ever going to see a um, situation again like the the Kershaw Profar? I know you guys already talked about it, but the the weird fake almost uh, you know attempted catcher's interference type thing. Do you think we're ever going to see that again? Do you think that's going to give guys ideas and if so how many times will we have to see something similar to that do you think before they they make a a rule change or or actually address it uh what do you guys think
1: yeah you know i don't i don't think Profar is the first person to ever intentionally uh get catcher's interference i just think he was the worst at making it look natural um you know it's uh I know the Padres announcers didn't think it was on purpose but uh you know like I said Kershaw was right whatever it was whether it's intentional or not that wasn't a major league swing and uh but the fact is if you look at the numbers some guys are better at getting catcher's interference than other guys and you know obviously some of that is where you stand in the box and whatever but uh but I think some of it is you know doing that on purpose I know Pete Rose was good at getting it um there was somebody else more recently I'm trying to remember who it was if it was a uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, I think. Um, I can't remember for sure though. That's just kind of pulling that out of my brain. Um, so I don't necessarily, I think most hitters go up there knowing, well, this is a possibility, but I think most hitters, I mean, to put it bluntly have bigger cojones than that. And you actually want to go up there and be hitters. And so, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I know it's a quote unquote rivalry, blah, 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 blah. And so it's just going to sound like that. But, uh, I don't have much respect for jerks and profile as a player after that, because uh, either hit the ball or don't, but uh, don't go doing that garbage.
0: Well, especially yell back at Kershaw, you know, I mean, he should have just been quiet, but, uh, and I guess, yeah, that would be an interesting, I'm sure you could find the stat, Jeff, but I'd be interested to see like, you know, an all time list of, uh, you know, batters that, you know, benefited from catcher's interference and maybe like an active list for active players or something that would kind of be curious to to look at those numbers or see what that says.
1: Yeah, I might have to see what I can find.
3: Yeah, all right. Uh, we got a question from Joe. From Joe, he asked, do the Padres look to the trade market for a starter or depend on farm system? And then Brian mentioned Mackenzie Gore. I was going to be my first answer there. You know, he is the top, their top pitching prospect. He would be a guy that would naturally fall in line to join the rotation. We saw Ryan Weathers pitch pretty well against the Dodgers the other day. And he's another another guy. They've already lost Ford Home for the year. They potentially are losing Lynette for the year. Chris Paddock is not that good and has will have to be in the rotation for at least the foreseeable future right now. Uh, but I definitely think I don't know if they'll go out and trade for another guy. They have so many guys coming up prospect wise. Uh, you know, they already gave up, you know, not their top prospects, but they gave up a lot of prospect depth in order to get Darvish and Snell and Musgrove. So I'm not sure they want to go out and get another one. With those three, uh, they should be pretty good. Obviously, Snell's not pitching that well right now, but he would ima- I would imagine he- he's going to be fine at the end of the year. Darvish and Musgrove are pitching really well right now. So I think with those three, you can get by in the regular season. There may be a point where they, you know, if the Dodgers are that far ahead of them, they just are playing for the wild card. And if you go in with those three as your top three in a, in a series, uh, you're still pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, you know, even just from a practical standpoint, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything available right now on the trade market because I don't think any team has given up yet. Uh although, you know, if the Padres walk out of this coming weekend down by nine games, maybe they're sellers instead of buyers. But uh but yeah, I, I don't think there's gonna be anything available for another at least another month and maybe even longer than that. And so I think they're gonna have to Figure out from within, but losing LeMet and Morajone on back-to-back days is pretty pretty rough on them. So it's hard to see them having many options other than uh, going with Mackenzie Gore at this point.
2: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Let's take a look at tomorrow's game against the Padres one bet I like is the over under which is set at seven and a half uh even money or not even money but negative 110 are the odds uh which is essentially even money if you put down a ten dollar bet on either of those you'll win nine dollars get a payout of 19 dollars uh but I'm gonna hammer that under it's Walker Buehler Ryan Weathers Ryan Weathers did pretty well against the Dodgers the other day the Dodgers have struggled against left-handed pitching uh so I don't know think they're gonna score too much off him or off the bullpen and Walker Buehler as we know is is pretty downright dominant especially against the Padres the Padres have also not been hitting lately so I definitely gonna think the game's gonna go under uh, this is a rematch of last Friday's game which did hit the over on this end uh, but for some reason I'm thinking it's gonna be a low scoring game you know three to two three to one and I'm gonna hammer the under so if you want to make that bet you go to betonline.ag sign up it's free to do that and you'd even get a 50% welcome bonus after your first deposit with the promo code locked on that's promo code locked on at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition, and fair priced. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings that are sure to bring joy into her life. It's ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, conversation piece, I love you piece, anniversary piece, whatever it is. These rings use only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, and 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on blue nile.com. Just search the words ten by ten. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise, delight, and be fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, is happening now. It features analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaComfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts are drafting for every team and picking the next stars. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.
3: Jeff Dodgers announced that they're going to have a vaccinated section as of right now for this upcoming series. It'll be in the corner of Loge. Uh, no masks still have to be worn, but the seats will be all banded together. Obviously this is, you know, a tri- or it's a trial to see if they can have this more. The Padres, I uh, just went to Petco. They have vaccinated sections, which are not socially distanced. And then they have, uh, non-vaccinated or, or tested sections where it's socially distanced. I, would, I think some other teams have similar things. Uh, you know, thoughts on that? Uh, me personally, I would, you know, at this point, I, I'm going to try to stay in the socially distanced areas, not for the fact of the actual virus, but just for the fact of like the space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shoulder room is nice. And uh, yeah, it, it's kind of funny to me that uh, people who are vaccinated get heard it over to the, to kind of some of the worst seats in the stadium. I mean, Loge isn't bad. You know, it's not like you're in right field reserve, but it's still, I mean, you're, you're pretty far from the action. It's uh, yeah. It, it's an interesting approach. And I think you're right that, you know, they are hopefully going to open it up even more and have uh, better seats of vaccinated sections uh, I, I think it's good. Um, I know there is a lot of consternation, and I'm sympathetic to it about the idea of making people show proof of vaccination. And as long as it's a temporary measure, I'm okay with it. Um, I I do understand people's concern about uh, the fact that you know, especially when it comes to the government. The government isn't good at temporary measures. Basically, once you give the government any control, they like to keep that control. Uh, but a private business saying you don't have to be vaccinated to come at all, but if you're vaccinated, you can have some of these special perks. And in this case, the perks is theoretically lower prices because you can buy them directly through the Dodgers and it, it opens up, there's more supply and therefore the, the demand, you know, hopefully enough supply to match the demand. So the pricing goes down. So I I get why they're doing it. Um, And this as a, initial first measure. I I think it's fine, Uh, but I hope that it's pretty quick that they figure it out and and start having sections scattered throughout the stadium that are, uh, you know, vaccinated and or tested negative.
3: Yeah, I think the wildest thing is that face value for those tickets is 120 bucks, and, you know, I'm not one to care about where I sit, so I don't think I've ever paid 120 bucks for a seat at Dodger Stadium, other than, you know, like, down below, Baseline Club or whatever, a couple of times, so pretty wild to me. I'm gonna stay up in, in reserve and uh, with the tickets already, I already have and the tickets I've been buying. But uh, another question on that same topic from our buddy John Herrera on Twitter, he's asked, with seating being limited, would it be smart for Dodger Stadium and maybe other stadiums to open up their venues when the team goes on the road, similar to going to a movie theater, watch the game on the jumbotron? Basically, the Dodgers have never done that that i remember specifically at least watching the game in the stadium last year during the playoffs they did have the the parking lot the big screens in the parking lot and people were able to go watch so mate i don't think yeah i don't think that's gonna happen but uh it's a cool idea i mean i don't I don't see a reason why they wouldn't especially to recoup some money and you know they can still keep it socially distanced but still get some money
1: yeah i i think it probably just comes down to a cost benefit and analysis because i don't know how much money they are making Like, well, A, I don't think people would go pay 30 bucks to park if they were just watching the game on the screen. So I think they would have to do either discounted or free parking in that situation uh, to get anybody there, which, you know, takes away a big chunk of their revenue on any game. Uh, Even inside the stadium, they'd have to have enough employees working. And I don't know if a 18 or 33% full. Dodger state you know realistically they're not they'd have to have enough people working to accommodate the eighteen thousand people uh but realistically they'd probably get more like eight to ten thousand for any given game and I just don't know if there's actually value there uh for the for the yeah. Dodgers to actually make any money on that
3: yeah they open up a few beer carts and at eighteen bucks a pop like they've been selling them this year uh I think they'd be able to be decent. Uh, But yeah, you would have to sell it more as an event and have something special about it. You know, teams do this for playoffs, uh, but for regular season, I can't remember any teams ever doing this uh, in any sport.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing is uh, you have the Dodgers' main source of income right now is their TV deal. And so doing this would actually say, hey, this is fewer people watching the game on TV where we're getting all our money. I guess they could theoretically just actually play the Sportsnet LA feed on the big screen, including commercials, and maybe that would be good enough. Um, but, you know, if they were just showing the game and not showing the commercials, uh, you know, I, I suspect, you know, to the extent that Sportsnet LA and the Dodgers are different entities, I suspect that Spectrum, Sportsnet LA, whatever you want to call it, wouldn't wouldn't love that as much.
0: I was going to ask you guys uh, predictions for, uh, you know, how how many of the four did the Dodgers take against the Padres this weekend?
3: Still concerned about the offense. We are facing, you know, the Padres' uh, best pitching that's left and and healthy, uh, you know, Kershaw and and Bauer and Bueller all pitched well against them. So it'll be probably close games again. Uh, It's going to be a little bit contingent on if Luki Betts is in the lineup. That'd be an ideal situation having him there. So I'm going to be conservative and say three, but uh, you know, let's go for four and put them nine back in night, bro. I'm down for that. Uh,
1: a sweep would obviously be amazing. Um, I'll be happy with the split of the series, honestly, um, with, with their respective. I, I, it's kind of funny that right now we didn't necessarily think we'd be scoreboard watching the Giants more than the Padres, but the Giants are two games closer to the Dodgers than the the Padres are the Giants, I think, start a series with the Marlins, uh, which, uh, you know, I, who knows how good the Marlins are, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. But if, if the Giants can lose a couple games with the Marlins and the Dodgers can split with the Padres, I'll call that success. Obviously, losing the series is unacceptable. Um, but I, I think my best guess is that the Dodgers will win three out of four.
3: All right, I have one question in my DMs from uh, Brian Williams. He sent a picture from one of the games over the weekend, and it's a uh, you know the, the dreaded shadows that we heard talked a lot about on on, on broadcast before. I mean, not so much as as much now, uh, but he wanted to know: is it harder for the batter seeing the ball come out of the sun, or the pitcher throwing into a shadow, or does it matter at all?
1: Oh, it's definitely harder on the batter. You know, the pitcher. He's aiming at the at the catcher's glove. He's executing his pitch, and once it's left his hand, it, he has no more control over it. The batter has to, in addition to try to pick up release point and spin and everything, having the ball change colors uh, halfway or two-thirds of the way to the plate is definitely a big disadvantage to the hitters. And, uh, yeah, it's almost funny to me, like, that they still play baseball in different conditions like this. And, you know, that's part of the beauty of baseball, that, you know, the stadiums are all different shapes and – everything, but it's like, you know, they really ought to be playing in domes, uh, with the same quality of LED lighting and uh with the same dimensions in every field. But uh, you know, I guess that's kind of what we got in the postseason last year, at least in the National League postseason, both teams playing in domes and uh except that one game when they what was it against the Braves, game one or two when it was like the wind was like a thousand miles an hour and they didn't have the roof closed for some reason.
3: Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you can see the jersey slapping in the wind.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, so it's definitely harder on the hitters. And uh, what do we have this week? I assume Sunday's a day game. Um, Sunday's
3: the Sunday night game.
1: Oh, that's right, so Sunday it's night. It's, so at,
3: it's at 4 o'clock.
1: Okay, 4 o'clock. Oh, so there will be some shadows there. Um, 6 o'clock, the, the, I assume Saturday's a 6 o'clock game, and yes. shadow, shadows shouldn't be an issue by then. So Sunday will have some, some shadow issues. Yeah, shadow talk.
3: Uh, All right, Noah had a question. He asked, how do the Dodgers get such good farm system coaches? A player drafted in the 33rd round like McKenzie can grow and flourish into a player like he is today. Got to have good coaches. How do they look for those coaches and keep them from leaving when other teams offer them better jobs when they're doing such a great job?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and I don't really know the answer. Like, you know, we we had uh, Petey Montero on the podcast Close to a year ago, I think. Uh, I know it was during COVID times. Uh, so, but it's coming up on a year, and talking to him about that. And he's a Dodgers minor league coach. And he, I don't think Petey ever even played in the minors. I think he played in college, and and that was it. And so, you know, and I know that uh, Mark Curtenian is kind of the the same, the same boat. He he didn't even play in the minors. So they're whatever their focus is, you know, they're not. And maybe that it's as simple as that. They are looking more at how good are you at teaching baseball than what's your actual playing resume. And that seems simple, but I do think there are a lot of teams who aren't uh, who still put a lot of value on playing experience when it comes to their coaches. And uh, maybe the Dodgers are a little bit more uh, advanced in not not worrying so much about that.
3: Yeah, I think the best answer we have to this question is, is with the prospects we've talked to in, in the past couple of years. And that's always the question we ask them is, you know, how do the Dodgers keep developing guys. What, what's it like? Uh, if there's guys that have been in different systems. You know, if, if, what's, what do the Dodgers do best? And I think the best part is, is they've, the thing that have always mentioned is communication and support. And, you know, that's two of the biggest things you can have. Uh, for guys that that are coming up playing multiple positions, there's always communication. For guys that are you know coming up through the pipeline, uh, we've heard a lot of players in the major leagues as well you know talk about Andrew Friedman and how transparent he is. You know, Josh Peterson, Kike, you know basically you know letting them know that you know they're not really gonna have a spot for an everyday position. So if they want to feel free to go look around. Uh, but I think you know that's the biggest part. The Dodgers revamped their whole system a few years ago when Gabe Kapler had come in. They they feed their minor leaguers good food. Uh, they, they do, you know, little things like that. They have, obviously, the, the great facilities over there in Arizona. They're able to, you know, take advantage of, of anything they can do. And, honestly, on the player side as well, it's also the players, the the veteran players, Turner and, and Kershaw, have alluded to it before, how they, you know, when you come in back in the day, you'd come in as a rookie, you probably weren't that well liked. Uh, you're probably taking a spot from someone, so there's already a little bit of animosity there. If it's friends of guys that are on the team and, uh, you know, there, there was – pranks or, you know, whatever else, hazing, whatever else it was. I think the Dodgers have, have really embraced these young players. They, you know, they, they make them feel welcome from day one. Uh, so most of the guys have already spent spring trainings with them, so they're, they're a little bit more familiar. Uh, but, you know, they don't, they don't have that animosity. They don't have all that, you know, bad juju. And they just welcome these guys, and these guys, you know, they know they're going to help them win. And, and uh, that's kind of the biggest part of it. It's just all-around development, overhaul that the Dodgers have done. And realistically, I, I don't think there's any, you know, one guy or one coach that's the secret sauce. I think it's just the development process as a whole, and they can kind of plug away with different coaches. I mean, we've seen the Dodgers, even in the major league side, change coaches on the bases and, and things of like, like that in the last few years, and, you know, they've continued to run strong.
1: Yeah, and obviously you also have the fact that I think the Dodgers are better at drafting than a lot of teams and maybe identifying players who – will fit in with their development system or who they can actually do something with, uh, which I think there's a lot of value there. You know, I mean, I I think it's simple to say, and probably still mostly accurate to say you just draft the best player available. But if you've got two guys and one of them, you say, Oh, this guy, he's got this and this and this attribute that we've had success with this guy and this guy, you know, we're going to go with him. And so, you know, maybe I, I don't have any inside information on McKinstry specifically, but I wouldn't be shocked if they had their eye on McKinstry uh, and and that he wasn't an afterthought. Like I think most teams in the 33rd round, they're in afterthought mode. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if the Dodgers had their eye on McKinstry and actually had an idea for him and took him in the 33rd round because they knew they could get him then.
3: Yeah, that's actually a good point. Cause you see in the later rounds, you see a lot of player manager or legacy picks, you know, players that, you know, juniors and stuff like that. And, they're not really, you know, they're picking guys that probably aren't going to sign. And that's the other part, too, the, where the Dodgers financial might comes through. If they want to sign guys and make sure they don't go to college or, or whatever else the, the case may be, they can, uh, you know, slot the money where they need to and, and pay guys how they need to. So, uh, yeah, it's just a complete organizational thing uh, when it comes to the Dodgers and how they develop guys. So, Vince, I'll
1: ask you a question. What All are right. you looking forward to most about this upcoming series?
3: I'm honestly looking forward to seeing how just Joe Musgrove does against the Dodgers. I'm really curious. You know, he had a breakout year last year a little bit know, uh, got traded to the Padres and felt like he was overhyped a little bit, you know, trying to say that they had three aces or four aces, whatever it was, uh, but he's been pitching like it so far. But like I mentioned on yesterday's show is that, he faced the no-hitter was against the Rangers. No-hitters are tough, you know, no matter what the team is, but uh wasn't the best hitting team out there. He had 13 strikeouts the other day, but against the Brewers, who are also known for not being able to hit. So I think that's one of the biggest things I want to see. I honestly want to see if there's any difference or any influx of Padre fans. You know, in, in recent year, in past years, there hasn't been really any Padre presence unless I take the, my mom to the game with me. So I'm interested to see if there's any type of Padre influx this weekend. And, you know, just the general atmosphere. The atmosphere was crazy in San Diego, but that was more of a split crowd. Where this one, it won't be as much of a split crowd, I don't think. And see, you know, are, are Dodger fans really that excited for the Padres, which I would imagine they are, and how the energy is going to be in the stadium.
1: Yeah, yeah, based on the pricing. It seems like Dodger fans are excited about it, but also it's a, it's a weekend series. So, you know, you, you see that sometimes anyway. Yeah, uh, I think Musgrove is really interesting, and I, I'm excited to see that too. Uh, I'm mostly excited to see the Dodgers break out of this offensive funk because I think it's coming. I don't think this team is capable of being bad offensively for too long. Uh, and as long as Mookie's arm is actually healthy, I think we're going to see. You know, I don't think they're going to necessarily like knock Darvish around or whatever, but I wouldn't be shocked to see. Uh, the Dodgers do quite a bit better offensively than they did last weekend against the Padres.
3: Yeah, definitely. And when you look at it, it's kind of weird with the Dodgers offense right now struggling because there's not necessarily like of the main core guys, there's not necessarily any one guy that's struggling, you know, really, really bad. Seeger was probably that one guy that was struggling, but then the two hits that he had were two on home runs and then he had the RBI single the other day. So, you know, he's coming through just not as often. You know, Justin Turner's been hot, but a lot of times he's coming on base with two outs in the first inning, or or with nobody on later in the game, so he can't do too much damage there. And you know, Max Muncy, rel- not reliant, but you know, gets gets on base a lot with walks, which pushes on to the next guy. Uh, and, and Will Smith has had a little bit of bad luck this year, and also you know a little bit of bad luck with the umpire and bad luck with hitting the ball hard and getting caught, like uh, when Dylan Moore robbed him the other day. So. I think there's just a lot of things going on, and if they find you know one little thing to click and get stringed together a couple of hits in a row, uh, that'll that'll get them back up and at it and, and ready to go.
1: Yeah, I think we're ready for a Will Smith breakout because I, like you said, he's been hitting the ball hard, and I think that uh, I think he's going to start getting some, at least neutral luck and maybe even some good luck. Armando's got something to say. Go ahead, Armando. Hey,
3: hey, guys. Yeah. I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this weekend series. Um, I hope they sweep all four games. <laughs> I think putting them nine down at the end of April would be just perfect. Um, I hope Mookie's not too hurt. I hope he, he's gonna be in the lineup. Um, if not, I still think we can pull it off. And, Cause I think we're due to come out of this slump. They, they, they kind of work in cycles and I think they're just due to come out of it. So it'd be really great if they can come out of the slump right in time for these four games is gonna be just perfect. Yeah, and they've seen that Weathers kid once already, so I think when they see him for the second time uh, tomorrow, I think they're going to see a couple bombs there.
1: Yeah, oh, and yeah. with Weathers, you know, la- last week he uh, doubled his previous career high in pitches thrown in one game, got up to like 77 or something. Uh, even if he does that again, even if he throws 77 again, that's what, four innings, maybe five? And the Padres, you know, had to have their bullpen throw seven innings today uh they haven't had a day off since before the last Dodgers series. And so they've got, you know, if the Dodgers can get to Weathers, make him throw a bunch of pitches, even if they don't knock him around much, get him out of the game. You know, it just sets the tone for the rest of that series. And the Padres might be scrambling to be making roster moves to I, I do expect that they'll put I, I saw some on Twitter saying that Lamette is day to day. Um, but I'd be pretty surprised if he's not on the injured list by the start of the game tomorrow, so they could replace him with an extra reliever. Uh, but even then, you know, I, I think things are set up pretty well if the offense can execute to get uh, to get into the Padres' bullpen that's not as rested as they would like it to be and really take advantage of that.
2: All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you to all who joined the locker room. Make sure to download the Locker Room app and join us next week. Make sure to subscribe, follow... Whatever you need to do to, in order to get our podcast downloaded to your phone every single day. Make sure to do that. Make sure to listen every day if you're not already doing so. We're here Monday through Friday for you. We're covering everything Dodgers. We're covering all the games. Why not listen to us every single day? Tell your friends and family. Tell your coworkers. Tell anybody in your life that has Dodgers in their heart uh, that you have a podcast for them. Make sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. Uh, other ways to get a hold of us if you're not hitting the dms on any of those accounts is 323-863-5625 or you can send us an email locked dodgers at gmail.com we're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home take my device to play podcast locked on dodgers have say a good one d
3: i say d-o d-o-d-g-e-r-s the team that's all hard Oh, heart and oh, thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant?